Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson, Karlsson! Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. I I don't think you had to couch. Like, were you so insecure about your opening joke that you needed to be like, Brian thought it was funny. So if you didn't like it, go after Brian. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, you can reap the rewards of it being funny or like you really played both sides there. I think it was great. I feel pumped for what we're about to do which we usually save for the auction draft. We usually have like our live and we're still going to. And Mike Clifford, by the way, is on board from Dauber Hockey. We're going to have our tier one live auction draft show uh, coming in a while. Like that's still uh, like maybe like a month over a month away. Yeah. But in the meantime, a lot of you are drafting or starting to draft. Uh, and you might be wondering, well, is this a good pick? Is this a good pick? What would, what would Brian and Elon say about this pick I'm about to make? And that's, what we've built the show for today. Yeah, we're just going, we just got uh, 14 of our patrons to volunteer to do a mock draft for the Keeping Carlson Ultra Patron Fantasy League. That's why it's 14. Every league in the Cacupful, which is our ultimate league, which I'll tell you about in a sec, is 14 people. They draft 18 players overall. And so we're just going to mock that up. The only difference is going to be they're going to have like 20, 30 seconds per pick as opposed to in the Cacupful where you have like eight hours because we do slow drafts and the drafts last for a couple of weeks to like, for a few reasons, right? First of all, to accommodate like the different time zones. And then also, it's just like a lot of fun. You know, you have your live chat. You're like, I guess it's maybe for some people a little bit stressful just having to wait for your pick for so long and see if you're going to get sniped. But I think it's just like a really fun experience. It just gets prolonged with the slow draft. But here, there's going to be nothing slow about it because we're going to try to knock this out in two one-hour parts. And yeah, we're just going to start in part one. Maybe we'll go up to like round nine, <laughs> then uh, take a break. We'll come back. We'll do the rest. And yeah, like Brian said, we're Brian and I are just going to comment on everyone's picks. And like, you know, the plan isn't just to like be specifically like, wow why did dylan pick that guy what a bum but like more so just to like yeah just get an understanding of what are the trends of the mock draft you know are our forwards or defense going in an interesting way are, are certain players going higher than we expected so yeah, i think it's gonna be really fun and hopefully a good uh you know exercise for the listeners to follow along with and we'll do our best to keep you up to speed with everything going on in this draft and our thoughts so a lot to get to before we get to that of course a couple things keeping carlson's very proudly presented by dauberhockey.com which we're super stoked about especially because now's the time of year where Dauber has released their amazing guide that they do every year and the best thing is you buy it now and then as training camp goes on and there's updates they're like updating that guide so you could just keep re-downloading it without having to buy it again so check it out at DauberHockey.com also Brian yeah the thing we're mocking for is our ultimate league the Keeping Carlson Ultra Patron Fantasy League which still has registration open you've got like 10 more days if you haven't registered yet to get in and start your journey to fantasy hockey glory it's a blast 
podcast. Uh, we've been updating our promotion relegation scheme recently. Like, if you start in, in tier eight, I think it's going to be for the new people who haven't played before. If you win one of your tier eight divisions, well, you're only going to have one. If you win your tier eight division, there's going to be a bunch of them. You're going to jump up like three tiers to tier five. And if you win that, you might jump up the next year, like three tiers to tier two. Like, you're going to be able to climb up really quickly if you do well. We also have our fast track, one lucky person, or I guess super skilled person that has the most points through all of the kakuffle just goes straight to tier one and you know what the tier and the promotion relegation that's just like a small part of it anyways because in your league you're gonna have a lot of fun you're gonna be playing with other like really dedicated fantasy players and you're going to also be in a league that's really moderated properly, commissioned properly, curated to make it a really great experience. So yeah, we invite anyone listening to come play in this league. And if you're curious about the settings or anything like that, well, we're going to go through a lot of that in this mock draft, right? Because we're going to be drafting teams as if these people were filling their cupful teams. So I guess let's get into the settings themselves, which are, it's a points league. Brian, you want to go through the the point allocations? I, I don't know. I, I guess I've been talking for a long time here. So I'm yeah. going to it over to you to tell us uh, some of the league settings here before we start the draft. Okay, yeah, I'll jump in. So we've got 14 teams and each team rosters 18 players. So you've got two each of center, left wing, and right wing. You've got 4D, two goalies, two util spots, and then four bench spots. So pretty standard, nothing overly fancy about uh, the way we've composed the rosters. And then if you're not familiar with the uh, the legendary Kakupful scoring system, which we have worked very hard to tweak and get perfectly right as best we can, uh, you can always see all of this, by the way, kkupfl.com slash rules. Um, you can see for skaters, we have, they get four and a half points for a goal, uh, three points for an assist, a half a point for a shot, half point for a block, quarter point for a hit, and a full point for a shorthanded point. And then goalies, uh, we tried to balance goalies a little better this year. They seemed a little overpowered last season. Uh, so what we did is we decreased the value of a save. I swear, we we asked NASA engineers to work on this. And all we did was we decreased the value of a save by five hundredths of a point. Basically, what was happening last season is that goalies were the best streaming option because even if they didn't play that great, if they just saw a lot of shots, they'd have a much better game than your average forward or defenseman stream. So we've sort of given them a little less of a reward for making a save, which is to make them less powerful, less of a deciding factor. They could still very much be a deciding factor, but that's how we have goalies set up. So two points for a win, three tenths of a point for a save. You lose one and a half points for a goal against, and you get a bonus two points for a shutout as a goalie. Again, if you didn't catch that, you can see this all at kkupfl.com slash rules. Uh, As Elon said, we are doing, this is a fast draft. 30 seconds a pick is what we set it at to start for the purpose of doing this live. So it moves moves quickly and it's entertaining. We can cram it all into one show. Normally in the cupful, we have our, our slow draft, our eight hour timer. So that's one thing that's different. One thing that's going to be the same as our cupful draft though, is we are using the third round reversal on fan tracks this season, which means that the third round draft order is the same as the second round draft order. Instead of snaking after round two, you repeat round two in round three and then sneak from there. And part of the logic here is if you're getting McDavid first overall, uh, well, you're not, you're, then you're going to pick last in the second and third rounds to try and balance the fact that there's no McDavid's at the end of the first round. 
Yeah, basically one thing that we've discovered, and I guess we'll like learn more from this by uh, observing this mock draft. We figured like, you know, those first five or so picks, like it's not only McDavid, like McDavid, McKinnon. I mean, I'm throwing out names here for the drafters, but I think they know about these players. Uh, Dreisaitl, uh, Matthews, like these guys are maybe like so amazing that then once you go down later in the draft into round two, a lot of the players are like a lot more similar where you're not like getting a huge advantage from maybe drafting earlier in the second round versus later in the second round. Like we found like the McDavid and Matthews drafters were still getting a really solid guy at the end of round two, similar to the people going at the start of round two and then they also got the first pick in round three so yeah that's the rule we're going with and we'll see uh brian will comment about it during this draft one other thing i just want to throw out there really quickly is a question we always get like why shorthanded points and no power play points i feel like people always ask us that every year so i'll just very quickly tackle it that the way we see it you're if you're drafting a guy who gets a lot of power play points we're rewarding you enough like if you have austin matthews you're already getting 4.5 points for every goal and three points for every assist and the fact that they're on the power play already means they're going to be getting a ton of points right like being on the power play is a is a great boon to help a player get from being like a 60 point guy to like an 80 point guy or a 100 point guy so we figured why just like you know deepen the chasm between the top power play guys and the non-top power play guys there's already a pretty big difference so that's why we're not counting power play points you're already getting it's not like a, a categories league where you can sort of it's fun to have like a bunch of different things and then shorthanded points though you might be like well then why that they're so random yeah exactly it's just kind of fun it's a rare thing it doesn't happen often and so it's cool and when it happens it's just a fun thing it's also it's a skilled play right it's hard to get a shorthanded point we figured an extra point you know it's not going to make or break and no one's going to be drafting their players based on like trying to maximize shorthanded points but it's just a fun thing to happen like during a game like oh look at that i got an extra point so that explains that but i guess we don't have too much time to dive deep into everything so brian i think if we're ready let's just uh get this show on the road and and see how it goes oh should we introduce is there anything like that we're not gonna have the drafters on the show but i guess as people are making their picks we could just mention their names as we go so brian any last thoughts as the official commission of this draft before we get started no, I will just add that if you want to see the draft happen live, you can check it out on our YouTube channel. If you go to keepingcarlson.com slash live, you will find uh, the footage. If you find it easier to follow along that way or you want to relive it with a live experience, Elon is sharing his screen for anybody watching us on YouTube. Uh, but thank you for the download. It means a lot. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please also subscribe to our podcast, whichever way you want. But Elon, we should start the draft. Uh, so Nick is up first. I'm going to hit resume because I paused it. Because we went a little over, a little past the draft time, and we're off and running. So Elon, first pick. I feel like in past years, it's been, you know, it's been, oh, McDavid or McKinnon. And then it was, oh, McDavid or Dreisaitl. This year, there's no question, right? Like, it's McDavid. Don't, Don't galaxy brain it. Um. I mean, so definitely, I think if you wanted to go like a Matthews, I'm not going to be like, you're dumb. You're not doing this right. Like Matthews scored like, what is it? 60 goals last year. Like he's clearly someone that in our format is amazing. I guess the thing for me is that the reason why I would take McDavid and yeah, McDavid did go first. Matthews went second. I think that while Matthews, I think maybe even averaged more a couple points per game than McDavid. McDavid actually had a bit of a down year compared to the year before. But I feel like just the that upside is so insane with Connor McDavid. Like Matthews, yeah, he paced for 119 last year and had 60 goals, but I feel like that's probably... Like, I'm not expecting more, right? With McDavid, I, I wouldn't be surprised see him hit like 150 points or something crazy. So for me, I'm not... And like you say, every year, it's like one year it's McKinnon who did better than McDavid. One year it's Matthews who did better than McKinnon. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone does better than Connor McDavid. I think, but uh, I just don't know who exactly it'll be, but I just know that Connor McDavid will be right at the top. If he's not number one, he'll be like number two. Right. If he's beaten out, it's not going to be by much. And really, if we're going to say someone in the league is going to get 150 points next year, I'm, I'm just saying if we were going to say that, 
everyone's first bet would be Connor McDavid. Like even at the top end of the draft, he still has the upside to go beyond really anyone else's upside. Like I couldn't think of Matthews or McKinnon or Drysaddle reaching that number. I could imagine it happening for McDavid. So he went first. And then, Elon, we've seen a pretty predictable pattern. We've had a lot of mock drafts so far in preparation for the Cupful, which uh, I think, you know, we'll share at some point. We should probably get on that. Uh, sharing our mock ADP. But the first six picks of this draft have been pretty predictable. It's pretty standard. We see McDavid and then some mix. In in this draft, it's gone Matthews, Dreisaitl, McKinnon, Makar, and Kucherov. And you know what? I'm even going to throw Kaprizov in there as like the locked-in top seven. In my opinion, those guys should be going in the top seven every time. I think you've got the top four you know, depending on if you want to throw a D in there in Makar with McDavid, Matthews, Drysaddle, McKinnon, and then Makar, Kucherov, Kaprizov. I think those are the seven picks. Every time a draft finishes seven picks with similar settings to ours, those are the guys who are going to be off the board. And then, then it gets interesting. You know, I wonder. So I think, first of all, Makar, I think the two interesting things here are Makar and Kaprizov, right? Like I think, first of all, Kale Makar, he had an amazing year, right? He paced for 92 points. Then he even like did better in the playoffs, right? He had uh, 86 points in 77 games in the regular season, then 29 points in 20 games, which is 119 point pace in the playoffs. I wonder if he'd be going so early in all these mocks if it wasn't for his amazing playoff performance. But yeah, it's pretty amazing to be able to get what seems like a sure shot 90 plus point defenseman. Uh, Like, you know, basically someone who produces like a forward and then you put that in your D spot. So I get why Makar is going early and I really have no doubts that he's going to keep it up. So like someone later, like actually Roman Yosi in this draft went at 10. I mean, if Yosi does what he did last year, that's a great pick, right? For the same reason as taking Makar. I wonder if Yosi's not as reliable just because maybe his team isn't like, you know, I, I don't feel as super confident that like, you know, a Philip Forsberg and a Matt Duchesne will do what they did compared to like what McKinnon and Rantanen. So I think that um, the Makar pick is interesting. I think that, and the Kaprizov, like, so last year, I feel like we were still living in a world where uh, David Pasternak was someone that people thought of as like a sure shot, yeah. like top five, yeah. top six. And Pasternak yeah, just he's went, fallen out of that group. Yeah, he's 11 now and I just wonder if like you know last year Pasta was injured for a bit he came back he didn't start as amazing as people expected him to do right like he he started a little bit slow we actually just dropped our beat writer interview by the way with Fudo Shinzawa so you can check that out for more Pasta talk but yeah he only had like 18 points in his first 18 games which you know isn't as exciting but by the end of the season he had 16 points in his last 10 scoring a ton of goals and I guess now this year people are concerned because of the injuries on the Bruins but like the word is Pasta is going to be on that same line with Taylor Hall and with David Krejci centering which is, I think, even better than Eric Haula. So I wonder if that's, like, really good value. And I wonder if, like, Kaprizov and Pasternak... Like, you were saying it's, like, Kaprizov, like, obviously. And I wonder if, like, starting with Kaprizov, we have a few guys. Like, also Ovi, like, Barkov and Pasternak. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's not, like, so, so obvious if I would take Kaprizov there. I think if I had seventh overall pick, I wouldn't be happy. I'd rather have, like, ninth or tenth and get an earlier pick in round two. Yeah, I think Kaprizov is right on right on the cusp there. Cause I could see, honestly, I could see myself as happy with being as happy with Barkov. That might be about it, really, if I'm looking at the list. Pasternak, I'm glad you brought him up, is an interesting one. He's gone as early as eight. We've got about uh, a 20 mock sample size right now as we uh, as everyone on our Discord server gets ready for the this year's Kakupful. He's gone as early as eighth. And as late as 17th overall, like if you're getting Pasternak 17th overall, you're laughing, right? That's like early second round for a guy who could have gone in the top five 
in any of the last few seasons. So that's huge. Uh, if you can, if he shows up and you're getting him late in the first, plus with our third round reversal, uh, because you'll pick early in both the second and third rounds, you uh, that puts you in pretty good shape. Uh, one thing I've noticed here, so Pasternak, Marner, Rantanen, actually, you know what? We're two picks away from finishing the second round. After that, I'm going to hit pause and we can uh, we can recap all that we've seen. But one thing I guess I can mention right off the top is we have seen through two rounds, three defensemen go off the board. You've got Makar, who's a given, right? He's a, he's an, he's a first rounder, no doubt about it. And then the other two have gone off the board are Roman Yosi and Victor Hedman. We've also seen two goalies go off the board. Uh, we've got Vasilevsky, uh, who went, uh, actually Shostjorkin went second in the second round and Vasilevsky went later, about eight picks later at 10th in the second round. So, um, Elon, what do you think about taking those D early? We've got Yozy and Hedman and Makar, I'm not even counting really like Makar's got to go. I think Yozy Hedman, like that's a choice. You're choosing to go big on D early and then also, uh, two goalies going in the second round. Just and Vasilevsky stand pretty, like almost alone above the rest of the league. So does that make them worth that second round pick? Yeah, lots to talk about. And this draft is just like blazing by. I don't even know if at this point we're doing commentary or it's like we're just commenting on a draft that will basically already be done. But yeah, I guess you're pausing it. But okay, good questions. As far as the D, yeah, I guess... I, uh, me personally, I want the superstar forwards, right? Like Roman Yosi again had an amazing year. Victor Hedman also had a really solid year. He went later in this draft, right? He's in like sixth pick of the second round. But I, I do wonder if it's if you're just better off. Like after Yosi went Pasternak, Marner, Rantanen, Brady, Kachuk. Like those are guys who could be like game breakers. And like so can Roman Yosi. But I just wonder if maybe there's still like a lot of good defensemen out there. Like Adam Fox is still out there. Aaron Ekblad, like Chris Letang, like John Carlson. Like, you know, I can name a bunch. Like there's a lot of really good guys that I feel like you could depend on to give you super high-end production. So I wonder if I'd rather have, like, you know, if there's still, like, superstar players out there that I think could be, like, you know, top 10 in a couple of points, I think I'd probably rather that. But, like, Hedman, by the time he got picked by Dylan, you know, he, the players taken after Hedman are, like, Matthew Kachuk, Jack Eichel. Oh, man, Jake Gensel. I want to talk about so many of these guys. Eichel, I think, could be a real steal. But anyways... I, I'm going to summarize, and then we'll talk about them yeah, yeah. after that's the my DG. Thoughts. Yeah, that's my thoughts on D. I, do, I think, personally, Personally, I would wait a little bit and try to get that next crew. Like, if, you know, if I get John Carlson as my first D in like the third round or the fourth round, like I'm pretty happy. Like a Dougie Hamilton, if you believe in his bounce back, which I do, like a Morgan Riley, even if you're going down further. Like, I just wonder if you can just like not like go so heavy on D and still end up with like a solid core, but with superstars. And maybe I'll just quickly also answer your goalie question. I agree with you. Shostjorkin and Vasilevsky are the clear top two. And it's like a McDavid thing that I said before. Like, I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing you that like it's going to be Vasilevsky and Shostjorkin at the end of the season as the top two but I, I'm pretty confident they're going to be two of the top five you know and it's like there's always someone the UC Soros can do it again like Connor Hellebuck always has that possibility like Thatcher Demko like there's other guys like Jacob Markstrom at the beginning of last year was looking like he'd be the top guy like goalies are super hard to predict so I just like the assurity of like a super volume guy like who's even the backup on the Rangers now I don't even remember like they've lost Georgiev I need to look that uh, up <laughs> I was going to say Charlie Lindgren but no he went to, he went to Washington uh, he went 
went to Washington. Yeah, Vasilevsky still has Brian Elliott backing him up. Like, I just feel like these are like oh teams gosh. that are just going to depend on their goalies so much. You're going to get a ton of games. And obviously, they're good teams and they're amazing goalies. So it's just it's, like, for it's sure. Yarrow Halak. Oh, so there you go. Backing like, up Shostakovich, which honestly, I see that and I barely remember <laughs> that happening. Yeah, barely. we had that convo at some point, but like, uh, yeah, who remembers? But anyway, so you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, like you see Saros, but like, Saros might be up there like to be honest but like Nashville's just not as good a team and so yeah I think for sure those two goalies are like the sure things and I'm not surprised they went as the top two and I think that those drafters won't be disappointed I hope they would be like let's say if randomly like I don't know Jake Ettinger Ottinger who we've talked about on a recent podcast and Ben and I've had some disagreements like maybe he does have that amazing year that some people are expecting and let's say he ends up with more couple points than Vasilevsky for whatever reason like I hope the person who drafted Vasilevsky is not gonna be like wow I really blew it because it's like you got that like sure thing guy that you didn't have to worry about there were no question marks like ottinger i think i'm like 70 80 percent confident that he'll be really great but there's still a small part of me that thinks there's a chance that he can like you know not not be ready for this huge role that he's gonna have and maybe he'll blow it like i, I have no concerns that andre vasilevsky is ready to take on a volume starters role right uh, no, no question about it. And no one backing him up either. That's going to, even in a pinch, like if Vasilevsky hits a rough patch, it's not like, okay, well, we're going to put Brian Elliott in while Vasilevsky gets his head right. No, Vasilevsky is going to be a guy who plays out of whatever slump he might fall into. And hey, the challenge in Tampa might be greater this year than it ever has been in the last few, but I still have no concerns about Vasilevsky. Like Shostyorkin has huge challenges in New York and is up for them. And I feel like Vasilevsky would be too. Um, and just for context, uh, if we're looking at the best D left on the board, Elon, like you mentioned, you'd wait for the next group. I might say Victor Hedman's in the next group. If we're going by a couple performances last year, you've got Hedman, Latang, Ekblad, and John Carlson all together in that next group. And then you're looking at guys like Moritz Sider, Adam Fox, Sarnell Nurse, Zach Wierenski, and Morgan Riley, Noah Dobson. So that those are the groups of D that are left that you'd rather wait for. And I think I'm, uh, I think I'm with you. I don't think I'd go second round headman. Like if I'm making a second round, a top two round D pick, it's going to be Makar or Yozy. But I am, I am also with you. Like there's so many big forwards. And we were having this chat on the discord the other day where it's like, there were so many hundred point forwards this season. It's harder to pass up a forward when everybody is doing the thing so freaking well and defensemen. Yeah. Like Yosi had a great season. McCarr's other level, but really we're not seeing the same level of like upping your game from the D. So I don't want to miss the boat on the, uh, the top end forwards um, at the top of the draft. And then guys like uh, Saros, Demko, Hellebuck, Ottinger are next on the docket for goalies going by last year's couple performances to summarize the draft so far, you might be wondering, so uh, I took you up to Kaprizov mid first round. After that, we went Ovechkin, Barkov, Yozy, Pasternak, Marner, Rontanen, and Kachuk to close the first round. And then uh, JL picked again uh, after ending the first round, picked Huberto, and then Shestjorkin went next. Then Panarin, Connor, Stamkos, Hedman, Kachuk, Eichel, Gensel, Vasilevsky, Debrinkit, Miller, Crosby, and Patrick Kane. And just before we start the draft again, Elon, I'm going to actually, I'm going to start it while I make this comment. I have so much is, to say, Brian, about okay. so many of these picks. I feel like you don't need to start it for like another 10 minutes. Okay. But. Well, we need to finish the draft at some point. And like, these are, these are the, well, you know what? They, they're so, they're kind of the easy picks because you know who to pick 
but it's hard to pick between them. And I would say in that group in the second round, outside Artemi Panarin, I have questions about all those forwards. And it's not to say the other forwards should have been drafted instead, but I find it pretty hard to pick between them when I can find, like, I I feel like this year's unique. If I'm picking a forward in the second and third round, they already have flags against them. Like Huberdo, new team, bad reputation defensively. Kyle Connor uh, was amazing last year. If nothing changed, I'd be all in, but things change. Rick Bonus is in his coach in a defensive system and Connor's defensive game has been awful. You've got Stamkos with injury concerns. Matthew Kachuk to a new team. Jack Eichel still has to really strut his stuff in Vegas. And who's he playing with? Is Mark Stone healthy? Jake Gensel actually seems pretty solid and safe in this group. And then Alex Dabrinkit, new team. Where does he fit in the top six? Uh, JT Miller, Sidney Crosby, both pretty solid coming at the end of the second round. And then Patrick Kane, who the heck's he playing with in Chicago? That's my quick look. And I feel like that trend from what I've seen in our mock so far is going to continue in the third round. I'm going to have a lot to say to be like, am I so sure about this forward delivering that I'm investing a huge amount of draft capital in? Yeah, I think that that's the reason why we decided to go with this third round reversal, right? Like the person who took McDavid also got Patrick Kane. The person who took, well, I guess I get the name. Nick got McDavid and Patrick Kane. Taylor got Matthews and then Crosby. It's like, is Patrick Kane and Crosby that different from like, if you look at the starter round two, you have Huber Doe, Panarin, Kyle Connor as like the forwards. Like, yeah, I'd rather have like, I think like those three guys, like Huber Doe obviously is a big question mark. And you know, my policy, Brian, about players on new teams. Like I think if I like JL got Brady Kachuk and Huber Doe at the turn, I think if it was me, I would have maybe not gone Huber. Like I love the Brady Kachuk pick, but I just wonder if like, yeah, in a new situation, Huber Doe's now being centered by, so I guess like he was playing with Sandman. Like Huber Doe's amazing, you know, but it's just like n- nothing's a guarantee. And I'd rather have someone like a, you know, a Panarin or like even a Stamkos, like someone who like, you know, is already like really cemented in their role. But hey, someone's going to take swings and like really you know benefit from it i'm just i guess conservative with my top picks but yeah at the end of the day i just wonder if like patrick kane crosby jt miller to like sort of at the end of the second round aren't that far away potentially from the guys at the start of the second round that's the reason why we had this idea to do the third round reversal just because it doesn't seem like such a huge advantage to start the second round compared to the advantage of starting the first round like i definitely see a big difference between mcdavid matthews dreisaitl mckinnon versus like uh pasternak marner ranton and kachuk which ended the first round uh but yeah as far as the picks in this round i mean it's more fun to talk about the ones i'm concerned about like alex to brian i'm curious to get your thoughts he went uh in the like 11th pick in the second round i should probably bring like another view up so i can give you the, the specific numbers like to yeah had an amazing year last year like 41 goals 37 assists in 82 games so almost a point per game 40 goals obviously amazing right he also throws a decent number of hits i still don't know if like that performance would be enough to be worthy of a pick in the top two rounds like i see some guys who did better than him like i i just am curious to know if uh phil here is thinking like to it's going to be like even better in ottawa or if he's just kind of hoping that to will do the same and kind of just thinking you know like he still likes that better than the other people it's going to be hard to say it's like a whole new situation i'm just curious to know brian what's your take at this point like would you take to as a second round guy I don't think so. I think it's a little early for me. Uh, He was seeing almost 21 minutes a night last season in Chicago. He saw 20 and a half minutes a night the year before when he was on an 88 point pace. So it's not the the quality of player I'm worried about really ever since his breakout sophomore season, uh, even in his rookie season, we've seen to bring it as being for real. Like we haven't had questions, uh, but now for me, the question is, 
How well can he do? I'm expecting his ice time to be cut by about two minutes a night. He's not going to be the only guy. Uh, I mean, he wasn't the only guy in Chicago. He was on the only line in Chicago. So I'm looking back to that sophomore season. He played almost 18 minutes a night and still paced for 76 points. Like he had almost identical numbers to the last season when he saw a few more minutes of ice tonight. So I'm just hopeful that he finds a way to keep doing that. Uh, like he was able to put a few more, a few more shots on goal with the extra ice time, about 50 more, but he didn't score any more than he did um, with all that extra ice team ice time last year. He shot 3% better the year he had just under 18 minutes of ice. So that's the big question. Can he do it again? And it's a, it's too big a question for me to want to grab him in the second round. I, I don't think he's out of place, you know, even early or middle of the third round, but uh, I, I would be nervous. I just want to draft someone who's who I know is going to be a top line, top power play player. And we don't know anything about Ottawa's top line for reference in our uh, mock so far. This is actually, um, well, it's not the earliest he's gone. He's gone as early as 15 to bring it in our mocks. Uh, on average, he's going around 30, 33rd, uh, according to our most recent mocks. He's gone as late as 41st. Um, so there's context there. I think you could probably get him a little later. So we went, what, 26th instead of 33rd? I think 33rd obviously makes a little more sense, but we'll see where things yeah. go from here. I think I think uh, I'll, I'll at least mention, based on kick-up full performance last season, the forwards that were passed over by our drafters, like they skipped these guys uh, based on last year's rankings were Brad Marchand for obvious reasons, Philip Forsberg, Timo Meyer, uh, Gabriel Landeskog, uh, and then Vander Kane, Tarasenko, Johnny Gaudreau, and Aho were all ahead of Debrinket and a couple of the other guys who were drafted. And I think I'd prefer a couple of them to Debrinket. Yeah, for you sure. know, it's interesting. Yeah, I guess it's all about like again, it's not like I'm. We're saying that I don't, and I guess we don't need to be like just only talk about Debrinket on this show. But like, yeah, it's not, for him and in general, lots of players, right? It's like for me, it's a little bit about probabilities. Like, I definitely can see Debrinket meeting his draft position. It's just a matter of like how certain am I compared to other guys. There's actually another guy, Brian, that you haven't mentioned yet. And when you're talking about future guys, that I was surprised didn't uh, make it out of the second round or like didn't get picked yet. So when he when he gets taken, uh, I'll, I'll mention him. But I guess we might as well like restart this. Thing. Thing, and then we'll talk about rounds two through, I don't know, however long we get in an hour <laughs> uh, after this quick break. Okay, you're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back. Brian, I'm ready. Trigger round two to begin. And yeah, I, I have that name. And I just want to see how long it'll take. You mentioned a lot of guys uh, that, you know, according to last year's stats were better, though those were all in terms of total points. I've got a guy in mind. No, they were they were points per game. Points per game? Okay, maybe you did say no. the guy, I just didn't hear it. I'm curious to see who goes. By the way, in the meantime, another guy that got taken in the second round that, like, going into last year, this would have been, like, huge value is JT Miller, right? Like, he just, like, took off last year, like, exploded into a superstar. He ended the year with 99 points in 80 games when the season before, he wasn't even point per game. The year before that, he was, like, barely above a point per game so he really like elevated his game and yeah he's so interesting because i didn't see anything from his numbers last year to think he can't do this again but of course there's all these like trade rumors do, do trade rumors and things like that affect your opinions yeah. on this kind of thing well you, i mean after vladimir tarasenko's season last year i can't really say that i cared so much right like he was in the tent like that was a garbage situation we thought even if he stayed it would be miserable 
And so I think JT Miller's already played through at least half a season of trade rumors, at least, and has proven that he can still do it. I'm actually, I, I feel like no matter where he lands in the top six, he should be okay. But that's another sort of Debrinkity example where, I don't know, I want a guy who's going to be on the top line, not even on like a 1A, 1B line situation. I'd rather well, yeah. just go with with the guy who I know is locked in to fantastic deployment. And also when you say he's going to be okay, I'm sure he'll be okay. But is he going to be like the 99-point <laughs> yeah. guy that's worth a, such a high pick? Okay, so w- one guy who just got taken recently in the second round, third round that I wanted to discuss is Evander Kane. He just went... Th- I mentioned him, for the record. You did mention him in that list. Yeah. I want to stop oh, okay. down on him as someone who just was like so amazing in our format right at the end of last season like the way and then also in the fantasy playoffs like all those shots on goal and like all those goals and if he's going to actually spend the whole season with Connor McDavid who we're talking about as someone who maybe didn't even perform as well during the regular season as he could have like if, if, if McDavid goes up to like 140 150 points and he's with Evander Kane and he's dishing to Kane I don't know this could be one of those picks that yeah there's a little bit of risk like he's Evander Kane like he could get suspended or who knows what could happen but like I could see that being like a good like steal of the draft like like Timo Meyer for example went to start the third round I feel like um well no I guess I like them both actually like I if Evander Kane like I think in a lot of drafts Evander Kane might be even falling a little bit because people are a little worried and I see them as as kind of similar anyways I don't know I like that Evander Kane pick I just have a hunch about him like potentially even being better than some of these guys we talked about in the second round and Brian, before you respond about Evander Kane, here's the update so far. Round three, Meyer, Aho, Evander Kane, then a couple more D, Adam Fox and Latang, then Landeskog, Goudreau, Svechnikov, Ekblad, Robertson, John Carlson, still the guy I had in mind that I thought would go in round two hasn't been taken. But anyways, uh, thoughts on Evander Kane or any of these other guys that have gone so far in round three? I love Evander Kane as a pick here. Uh, I should really clarify as a pick here. Nobody clip that out of context, please. Uh, But Elon, would you believe that it's still about four spots sooner than he's been drafted on average in our mock so far? You know, you said that you like, are you saying that you would be interested in him as a second round player? Let me put it this way. I would love to get him in the third round and then have him perform as a second round player, which I think right. he could like, there's some risk here, but I, it seems like what we're learning here is maybe you could wait, but maybe not that long. According to this mock draft, I would have hoped yeah. to get him like, you know, if, if I was the McDavid drafter, I would have been pretty happy to get McDavid and then like a Crosby or Kane and then get the other well, Kane after that'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he hasn't been lasting to the, he's been going like early third round on like a, just a few picks later than he went here. Um, yeah, Meyer versus Kane. Meyer, Aho, and Kane were the first picks of round three. An interesting group of guys, and but honestly, fewer flags on either of them than several of the ones I mentioned in the second round. Now, their, their upside might their, their ceilings might be a little lower. Like Aho, I feel like is nice. Like you can count on him for a point per game. That's nice. You don't have to worry about it. Like he's a set it and forget it kind of guy. He's not going to frustrate you and get too streaky, which I like about him. Timo Meyer. I feel he's getting like not the respect he deserves. And I wonder if he will beyond. It's just the shots on goal really, really do wonders for him. He was picked uh, right, as we mentioned, at the top of the third round. And that's actually exactly where he's been going in mocks. So uh, like, I, you know, I, I don't think he's quite a second round player yet, but I think he could be within a year's time. And I think people just aren't sold on him as a superstar. And I get it. But when you look at how he collects his points, if you're doing a shots league, uh, it's going to be pretty great to be able to grab Timo Meyer. And basically the nice thing about a shooter is like, that's guaranteed, right? The shooting is 
pretty repeatable, more repeatable than goals. You can rely on shots taken more than you can goals, which Elon was another reason why to like Evander Kane. Yeah, though I guess um, with Meyer, he last year, any concerns that last year he had 4.2 shots per game, which was insane. But before that, he had like barely ever passed three shots per game. Like, is it just, yeah, he had a lot more ice time. I'm sure that like played the biggest role. And I guess we're at this point, like just solid on him, uh, you know, maintaining that same deployment, if not even having more deployment as like the Sharks kind of get older and like, you know, they have to depend on him a little more. Like there's been a lot of players gone. Yeah. By the way, let me just mention the guy who I was talking about that I, <laughs> was uh, Jack Hughes. So he ended up going late in the third. And I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I feel really good about Jack Hughes. I think he's like, this is going to be the last year that we're going to be talking about Jack Hughes not going in the top two runs. Unless he has like another annoying injury situation. But the guy like paced for 94 points overall last year. But like he was so good in that like, like before he got injured right at the end when he and Jesper Bratt started clicking. Uh, so yeah, I think that that's a superstar that I would be so happy. Like the person who got Hughes, DK, got Dreisaitl, JT Miller, and then Jack Hughes, and then actually Tarasenko there in the fourth. So that's a, it's good value. I like that. But anyways, okay, so Brian, uh, I guess we're just going, there's so many players. That, this is like, I just listened to a podcast recently. Now I'm like ruining this by like, uh, like, you know, we already don't have time and I'm saying more crazy things. And then Brian's probably getting really annoyed at me. I just listened to a podcast where the two podcasters were talking about how they watch Transformers, like all the Transformers movies at four four times speed and they were trying to keep up with everything going on and that's like the and it was really just interesting to getting in their heads and i feel like you're hearing this from me now right? i just have like i'm seeing so much information coming at me and i want to talk about all of it for our listeners who usually listen in double speed and find elon like near unintelligible this is uh I, elon i think you're setting a new words per minute record here so i'll try and be the calm the calmer voice but actually i love it i love what we're doing timo meyer the reason he took so many more shots elon is because he uh was on the top power play for the first time in his career can you believe it took that long he's had another three minutes a night only another minute or so on the power play but on the power play he was the heavy heavy shooter in san jose like at five on five and on the power play this guy knows how to let it rip and uh he always does. So yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not down that he could pull off that four shots per game once again. Okay, as we hit the end of the fourth round, now is such a great time to recap everything beyond Meyer, Aho, and Kane, who went as the first three picks in the third round. After them, we saw two more D go off the board, two of four this round. So we had Fox drafted, and then Latang, then Landeskog, Gaudreau, Svechnikov. Uh, Aaron Eckblad, Jason Robertson, John Carlson, Jack Hughes, Kevin Fiala, and then Philip Forsberg going at the end of round three, even though he was uh, like project like by his rank, by his performance last year, he's a second round player. But we've shared the reasons why we're not 100 percent sure Forsberg. And we can get into that again uh, in uh, just while I finish recapping. Then the fourth round, we saw Zabanejad go. Then Jordan Cairo ahead of Vladimir Tarasenko. What a world we're in. Cairo and Tarasenko back to back. Then a couple more goalies, Saros and Hellebuck off the board, followed by Elias Lindholm, Elias Pettersson, Moritz Sider, Nick Ehlers, Brad Marchand going late in the fourth round, right ahead of teammate Patrice Bergeron, followed by Rupe Hintz, Morgan Riley, and Jake Ottinger to close out the fourth round. And for anyone just curious uh, how first and 14th are looking at either end of the draft with our third round reversal. So first overall pick has McDavid, Patrick Kane, Philip Forsberg, and because of Banajad, 14th overall has Brady Kachuk, Jonathan Huberdeau, Timo Meyer, and Jake Ottinger. 
which I think is a reasonably fair. Like this looks like I'm just testing our third round reversal, Elon. And I think that's fair. I think that makes sense. Honestly, I feel like we were trying to punish the first overall pick by making them wait for their, you know, third pick. And yet Nick got McDavid and then he got Patrick Kane. Then he had to wait. And then he still got Philip Forsberg, who, like you said, could be huge value if he's anywhere similar to last year. Then Mika Zibanejad, who like a couple seasons ago was like a first round guy in a lot of leagues. So I feel like (laughs) I think we need to come up with a harsher penalty for first overall because I still really love that team, even though we made it a little bit harder. Yeah, that's an awesome squad. I guess the interesting thing to follow, actually, with a few of these teams is like Nick, also the person who picked second, who has Matthews, Crosby, Fiala, Kairou and a few other teams don't have any D and don't have any goalies left and like before when we were talking about how like maybe you don't want to grab one of the top D you'd rather get one of the later guys but you know now we're in a situation where a bunch of D are off the board Makar, Yozy, Hedman, John Carlson, Latang, Fox, Sider, Riley and like a few of the top like guaranteed starting goalies are off the board so I am curious to see like I I want to put my own theory to the test here like these teams that don't have a D or a goalie yet it'll be really fun to see how they shake out like who they end up filling their decors with also the third overall Drysidle, miller jack hughes and tarasenko so it's like you know you're going forward heavy which i think is fun and you have like superstar forwards who are going to get you the most points probably i guess goalies could get you a lot of points but you know they don't play every game uh but yeah i'm just curious to follow that and see how it ends up shaking out for those teams brian what do you think about brad marchand going mid fourth uh we just dropped that interview with fluto shinzawa he was saying how he's a little bit concerned like that surgery that Marshawn had was no joke like double hip or something and apparently it's the same surgery that Tuka Rask had and then when he came back Rask like basically wasn't able to play after hearing that interview like yeah I love the idea of drafting Marshawn so late and he could be like a superstar for you if you just don't mind putting him in your IR I didn't really consider until I listened to that interview the possibility that like this was serious (laughs) like so there's a big risk here obviously big reward but yeah I don't know at this point I think I'd rather, like, you know, the next person, so Tom took Marshawn, and then Julianne took Patrice Bergeron, a 10th and 11th in round four. I think I'd rather just take Bergeron, even though he's, like, injury pro, but he's, like, pretty great himself, and I don't have to worry about the fact that he's coming off this, like, crazy surgery. But maybe that's just me being too wimpy. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, remember when Pasternak was going to miss, like, a chunk of time, and you're like, ah, he's young, he's a hockey player, he's in peak condition, he'll be back, and you were right. He was back. I don't remember if he missed any time or very little if he did, if he did miss any. Uh, but it sounds like the Marchand situation is a little different. I, I was reading an article, uh, a Ramblings on Dauber Hockey from Alex McLean, who's like, I have a feeling like I'd be more surprised if Marchand is out past Thanksgiving than if he's um, not in the lineup on opening night. And so he was sort of saying the same thing that you were about Pasternak, but, you know, after hearing what Fluto had to say and thinking, yeah, this guy's older and this is a serious surgery, even, even if he is back, probably needs some time to, to kick off the rust, even like figure out how his body works again. Like, I don't know how much condition you can keep with what sounds like a very serious surgery. So I, I don't want to be the guy who drafts Brad Marchand. If I'm in a league where I know I'm going to have to like, claw my way through every single week i'm not ready i'm not brave enough to pick brad marchand the fourth round even though i know i'll be super happy to have him once he's healthy i agree elon i think i'd rather go patrice bergeron but to be honest i'm kind of uh i'm not high on either Hmm. um like so would you go rupe hints who went next who who do you want of those three (laughs) 
I think I would take Rupe Hintz first. Okay. I'm a big Rupe Hintz fan. I just traded for him in another league we're in. I traded a dry. It's a keeper league. I traded a draft pick to upgrade. Uh, I can't remember which keeper. Like Taylor Hall becomes Rupe Hintz. It wasn't quite as dramatic, but it was it was a nice nice little upgrade. Um, so I'm I'm happy. He seemed better than who I was going to get with the pick I traded to get him. Um, so yeah, I'm high on him. I, I think everything we've seen from Hintz is also for real. And I think he's dependable too. Of course, as we heard from Saad Yusuf in the Dallas 32 beats interview, there's a lot of line permutations possible in Dallas with a new coach coming in. And of course, uh, but you can't get so much more defensive than Rick bonus either, even though Pete DeBoer is known to be a defensive coach. Also look at what Hintz did with a defensive coach already. Um, of course, I like Robertson more, and he went uh, full, you know, 15 picks sooner. Yeah, Hints at the end of the day only had 72 points in 80 games, which is like good, but I guess we are in the fourth round, right? So I guess we have to start like not having point per game, guys. Can I point out a team that I'm really excited about here? Uh, it's yeah. a team that drafted seventh. It's Justin M. We talked about his Kaprizov pick, and I was kind of like, I don't know, is Kaprizov the right pick? But I mean, you can't argue with Kaprizov after what he's been doing. And then he like went with uh, Jack Eichel then in the next round, then Svechnikov in round three, and then Elias Pettersson in round four. And I feel it's like Eichel, Svechnikov, Pettersson, three guys who disappointed us last year. This is a team that you wouldn't have been able to draft last year, right? Like all of these guys, right. well, Eichel was injured, right? So like he doesn't count, but like, you know, Svechnikov and Pedersen would have gone like way before. So I feel like you're like getting good potential value here. And these aren't the kinds of guys where I think there's like huge risk. Like maybe Svechnikov, I don't know, Svechnikov is out, like he, but in a disappointed season, he's lost 70 points. And now Carolina has this like injury to Pacioretty, which they weren't expecting after losing Trocek. So it's like, they're gonna have to depend on Svechnikov even more. So I just feel like these are the types of players that could like win you your league these guys are like super high upside like we like 100 point upside for all four of them and you're getting like them at pretty good value and the downside isn't like that bad so i think that's a fun team and like i i think it, i would also enjoy having that team like just young like good exciting you know as opposed to like having like a bergeron and and whatever you know like someone who you just kind of have to hope they don't get injured and hope that this isn't the year where things are kind of fall off the rails a little bit so yeah I, i'll be really excited to see how that works out for justin though of course another team where he doesn't have any deer goalies so i'll be curious to see how he could fill the rest of it out but yeah, i just wanted to shout out that team for like four like really fun picks i see reason for like eichel we've like i think like, we've d- discussed all these guys a lot like eichel you know was coming back from injury and then he had another injury with his like finger injury or thumb so like and you know that mark stone was out like but his upside is crazy like he could be a first round guy Elias Pettersson could be a hundred point guy he like looked like that for the second half of last year and svechnikov is someone who we've talked about as like a potential 40 goal guy so yeah just wanted to throw those out yeah, I'll shout out, like, I think by this point in the draft, you just want to have the fewest question marks possible. And while you mentioned, Elon, that Eichel, Svechnikov, and Pedersen all disappointed last year, I feel like we know why, and I feel like we know we can expect better. Svechnikov is a guy who I am, uh, like, a little hesitant to draft, just because Carolina seems so uh, equal and horizontal in how deployment is given. And in this draft, he actually went about six spots earlier than his uh, mock ADP in all of our mocks has been. So uh, like, I feel like that, like I would choose Jason Robertson was the next forward and then Jack Hughes. I'd prefer both of those guys to uh, Svechnikov. Now Svechnikov versus Forsberg, who went at the end of the round is an interesting conversation. I mentioned that we were, we're not expecting Forsberg to do what he did last season. The reason for that, uh, if uh, for, as a reminder, cause I think I just vaguely mentioned it is that uh, he shot twice his career shooting percentage last season, which helped him pick up 42 goals in 69 games, 
which puts him on put him on a 50 goal pace. And as much as I love Philip Forsberg, uh, I don't think he's a 50 goal player, especially when he's still seeing those gosh darn like barely top line minutes. Like he's on the top line and he sees more time than anyone else. But at five on five, he's still we see guys see uh, 15 and a half, 16 minutes a night at five on five playing on the top line. Philip Forsberg is lucky if he sees 14. Last year, he saw 13 and a half. So I don't love that. And I am concerned. Uh, I'm not, I'm more than concerned. I expect his shooting percentage to regress. And so I will knock him down from his hundred point pace last season. This guy who's never paced for more than 78. And before, aside from that, he's never paced for more than 67. I would have Forsberg as, uh, you know, slotted in as a 70, 75 point guy. At least we know like that breakout crazy upside is there, but I don't know if it's more there than it would be for anybody who doubles the shooting percentage in a season, which is honestly possible for just about any NHL player. We see it all the time. Uh, so yeah, I like, I like Hughes and Robertson late in the third round a fair bit. Uh, and then Zabanejad, like you said, Elon, at the top of the fourth round, pretty solid as a guy that wouldn't, wouldn't get out of the second, sometimes even the first round, not that long ago. I'm um, just trying to see, we have Saros and Halibut as the next goalies off. No surprise there. Fox, Latang, Ekblad, Carlson, Sider, Morgan Riley as the next D off the board. Um, no surprise there. I guess Morgan Riley is, uh, he's a little further down based on last year's performances and Darnell Nurse or Zach Orensky, but not, not by a substantial enough amount to be like, whoa, you really skipped over. In fact, I would say Morgan Riley is pretty reliable of all those guys. Yeah, he almost had 70 points last year. I think last year, like, yeah. just points were so easy to come by that now a 70-point defenseman, like, isn't as special as it used to be. That used to be, like, a, a huge thing. And I, I I definitely feel like, you know, there's no one challenging Morgan Riley, at least this year. Maybe one day, Topi Niemela or whoever. You know, like, there might be someone one day that steals yeah. that job from Morgan Riley, but it's not happening this year. Top power so, play on Toronto is pretty amazing. Yeah, and the last time Riley approached the 70-point pace, he has a 72-point pace in 1819. And... I was shouting from the rooftops like this isn't going to happen again because he scored 20 goals. Like Morgan Riley is a five, maybe 10 goal score. He put up 10 goals last season uh, with great shot rates too. So I think that was part of it. Um, he also had some, some power kill points, three short handed points for Morgan Riley last season, but he did get the bulk of his points this time more sustainably. He shot the way we'd expect him to shoot. He got 10 goals on 221 shots instead of 20 goals on 223, but he just had more assists like that. That was the difference. And I think uh, like this looks like a way that Morgan Riley can repeat as a 65, 70 point play. And when you're on the ice with Austin Matthews for so many minutes a night with a 60 goal scorer, uh, you're in a pretty good spot to produce. So I, I like him as a safe pick. Elon, how do you feel about him going later than Moritz Sider. Yeah, I think it's fine. Like, Sider's are so amazing for peripherals, and I think he has a super high floor in Detroit now. Like, it's a bit of a, you know, I'm hoping that Detroit is, like, going to score a lot more goals now that they brought in, like, Perron and, like, you know, these different free agents that, that like, to really sort of, like, elevate the team and be a more offensive team and finally not be, like, a, a basement dweller in the league. So I, I think Sider's, like, the clear top power play guy, and he's, like, so amazing for peripherals. So I'm not mad at that pick. I, I feel pretty confident in him. Uh, what One thing I'm curious to look at is the goalies that go next. 
I feel like we're going to get into it with our Schmore Goalies episode, Brian, which is actually like next week, I believe, on the docket. We got to get to work on that where we're going to tier all the goalies. And I think the big theme of that is going to be there aren't as many starters as there used to be. And you brought up a bunch of goalies who have been drafted so far. I feel like there's maybe only a handful, maybe a little more than a handful of like guys that are like guaranteed starters left in this draft pool. So I think I'm curious to see like uh, which goalies go next and to look at those teams that like waited on goalie and then still are going to get one of these guys. I still think there's some really good gems out there that I wonder if the people who drafted like, uh, I don't know, an Ottinger or Saros or Hellebuck will be like, oh, maybe I should have waited. Probably not. Like those guys have been, well, Ottinger maybe is the bigger question mark that maybe I would love to have been able to wait a little more for him. So actually it'll be fun be to okay see. okay with Ottinger. Yeah. When, like, I, I, like maybe Demko goes before him, right? Like that, that would be the only... Like, what other goalie might you draft ahead of Jake Ottinger? Oh, Jacob Markstrom, like... Uh, yeah. But Elias uh, Sorokin, like, maybe. But also, I think it's not as much about, like, who would I take first? It's more like, could the person who took Ottinger, JL, could he have gotten, you know, like, a really awesome forward or defenseman and then still gotten a, you know, goalie similar to Ottinger? But we'll have to see. We'll have to wait. So something to track as we go through. Like, now we're going to go through round five, and then it's going to be all the way to the end of round six where we see uh, what goalies are left. So that'll be fun. But let's uh, get this going. And Brian, I guess at some point we're going to have to end part one of this episode and transition. But how about let's go through a a couple more rounds first. I'm curious to uh, get this going here. Here's an interesting pick, by the way, while we're waiting for round five to start. Uh, Elias Lindholm. Elias Lindholm? Is it? I know it's Elias Pettersson. Elias. Elias Lindholm. (laughs) Okay. Just to keep us on our toes. Uh, He's obviously in a new situation. He had that amazing season last year, putting up 82 points in 82 games but and 42 goals. But that was playing with Goudreau and Kachuk, who both aren't there anymore. And yeah, he's got Huberto, who's great. But to me, it's basically like a guy in a completely new situation, right? He has all new line mates. So uh, he's someone who went mid-round four before... Elias actually Elias then Elias went and I do think it's like I wonder if that's a big swing and again I think I feel like you're hearing that a lot from me it's like guys who like I just wonder if it's like as sure a thing as as for the people and you know Elias Pettersson also like had some downtime last year and that could always happen again but yeah I don't know Elias Lindholm am I too down on him like I just feel nervous about him maybe I shouldn't be maybe he's someone that I need to get up to speed no, I'm absolutely with you. I would have taken uh, I would have taken Pedersen first if he was still on the board. I don't know that there's anyone else. Like, uh, clearly, I've already expressed my love for Rube Hints. Maybe I'd take Hints ahead of Linholm. Maybe Nick Ehlers. There, there's just that question mark, Elon. Like both his line mates from last year are gone. Yeah. So there's gonna be a there's gonna be a learning period. And uh, like Bar- uh, Huberdo. I'm curious to see, like, I think Lindholm is going to have to figure out how to work with Huberdeau's reported defensive deficiencies and still be a really effective player. Well, and also, it's probable, everyone's talking about it like it's for sure, right? That's like, Lindholm will play with, you know, Huberdeau. But like, it's also possible Kadri plays with Huberdeau, right? Like, they have two good centers now after signing Kadri, and... I just don't want to like guarantee, you know, like uh, again, we're not in the first round, we're in the fourth round. So it's okay to take some swings here. And like, you know, Shane is saying in the chat, Lindholm got the best assist man in the NHL, not a big loss, I don't think. But, you know, we think he did. He likely did, but uh, it's not like as sure a thing. Maybe like I'm seeing some guys in round five here, like to start round five, JL after taking Ottinger, then went Patrick Line. 
I'm pretty stoked about Line. I also just got a really good guy to play with. And he's already someone that I know has had some red flags, but also has shown the ability to be like a 40 goal scorer himself. If he puts it all together, like I think that's a fun pick and maybe someone I would consider over Elias Lindholm. Also, I guess we haven't really talked much about the eligibilities, right? Lindholm only C eligible line, a left wing, right wing. I've just been kind of looking at in terms of forwards and, and defense and goalies, but it'll be fun also at some point to see if like we're really starting to see a difference in the available wingers versus centers. Uh, like Dylan Larkin, by the way, went six. So he's, he's the next C to go in this round. And again, like, I don't know, maybe I kind of feel like I'd rather have Larkin than Lindholm just as a sure thing, top line, top power play. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I won't maybe argue. No, yeah. no, not to pile on Brett who made the pick. No, it could be a great pick. Like yeah. a couple. Uh, so uh, it could be a great pick, but yeah, I, I also would have uh, my worries about Lindholm, as you've already said, and I'd rather still go, like I'm still looking like I'm okay with taking guys who have flags or question marks. Of course, you, you're going to have to at some point, but I try not to take them before I have to. And I think Lindholm was a yeah. pick a little bit before you had to. Like John Tavares just went a full round later, and honestly, it would be a it would be a decision. Larkin almost went a full round later. These are both guys I consider. Um, another guy, not to pile on any you know any picks that we don't like, but um, early in the fifth round, we've seen Brian Rust go off the board fourth pick in the fifth round um i don't know elon like rust he's on my do not draft list and julian who drafted him uh picked him 60th overall his adp in our mock so far is 95th overall which sounds writer to me like that's a couple rounds later this seems really early for Brian Russ. And I think a lot of people who aren't so prepared necessarily going into their drafts, I mean, like, oh yeah, Brian Russ looks great last year, but they don't have the context that he didn't look great towards the end of the year. And Ricard Raquel was in his spot. So how exactly is Brian Russ going to, uh, going to fare this year? I don't know, but I don't really want him on my roster while I wait to find out. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I don't think I would have taken Russ. By the way, since we were piling on Brett for the Lindholm pick, I do like the Jacob Markstrom <laughs> pick. That's like pretty good. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like I like the idea of waiting till like the fifth round, and then you get Markstrom, who could be like a top goalie, right? Like he's definitely the volume starter, which is what I want on a good team. I think Calgary probably is like the best defensive. Like they were already one of the best defensive teams in the league, yeah. And now they just got Mackenzie Weger, uh, like without having to give up any defense. So it's going to be a really good situation, I think, for Markstrom. So that's a really nice pick there, Brian. Here's an interesting one for you okay and obviously yeah. we're jumping around a little bit a few d have gone in this round we're Rensky to start like Rensky, i think is a great pick uh hamilton like could be an amazing thing like last year hamilton was being taken as like the third d and then he got injured and everything kind of fell apart he wasn't the same and like if he is back to what he was expected to be like that could be great value then quinn hughes you can't you know quinn hughes you know but there's a reason why he fell because he's not great with peripherals but you know he's gonna get the points i want to talk about alex petrangelo at the end of the fifth round and i hope it's okay to call out like shea theodore hasn't even been taken yet and alex petrangelo just got drafted and like the way i see it like i think shea theodore is the top power play guy and it's not like vegas is like has so many players like they used to where they're gonna run two even power plays i feel like jack Hugh, or sorry jack eichel and mark stone 
the power play that they're on is going to be the top power play getting most of the time, especially if like there's Marsha. So, you know, like you put the three of them and then Shea Theodore is the quarterback. And like Theodore, by the way, is coming off a season where he just had a 55 point pace. He averaged, you know me, Brian, with the shots, right? He averaged two, three, two point six shots per game, which is a little bit down from even the previous years where he's been above three. I wonder if there's like some good value to be had. Like, I guess Theodore hasn't even been picked yet. And now we'll see if someone in the draft now, but I'm just curious to get your take on him versus an Alex Petrangelo who really like last year like to start the year was absolutely terrible and yeah we said on the podcast don't worry like he's just having some bad shooting luck but still at the end of the day this is a guy who had no points in like the first seven or so games ends the year with 44 points in 80 games which is a pretty good pace for the rest of the way he's a bit of better peripherals but I do just wonder if like you know he shoots he actually shot similar to Theodore last year but I don't know I'm curious to get your take like I just feel like uh, Theodore is the one who I feel like has the big upside and Petrangelo is like kind of safe but not someone that I would take ahead of Theodore maybe I'm wrong no, I'm with you. I think Shay Theodore, who just went off the board to uh, Tom, a.k.a. Hopplenuts, who does a great job on our Cupful newsletter, uh, that's that's coming back this year. If you like, we have a newsletter about the league where we shout out interesting and fun and silly achievements through the year. Um, and Tom does some great advice columns in there as well uh, that may or may not be completely serious. But Tom, yeah, grabs Theodore. Uh, 10th overall in the sixth round after Petrangelo went last in the fifth round. I'm just looking at some guys who are hanging at the top of the board, Elon, because I saw Chris Kreider go uh, in the fifth round, 11th in that round. And I'm just pulling up. That means he was pick number 67. He was hanging around at the top of the draft board for a while. He went five picks later than his mock draft ADP. And this has been happening in all my mock drafts, actually. There's a few guys who hang out at the top of that list. Philip Forsberg is one of them. Chris Kreider is another. And right now, well, Nazem Kadri didn't have a team for most of the mocks we were doing before. So the context is a little different now, but he is now still one of the highest remaining players, uh, the, the highest ranked remaining players going by last year's fantasy points per game. Um, but Chris Kreider, I think where he was picked towards the end of the fifth round, pretty good value, right? Like they're... He, like Brian Rust and maybe Philip Forsberg, they're going to get drafted really early if you're in a league where people aren't paying such close attention to the numbers or someone's auto-drafting, they're off the board. Um, But if you're in a league with active folks and you're waiting for the right time to grab Chris Kreider, who, yeah, we don't expect to do as well as he did last year because like Philip Forsberg, he had some uh, shooting percentage patterns that just can't be replicated. Like on that power play where he was... Uh, an absolute monster. You know, we we listen to a lot of reasons why it might be real. Is he playing from a different spot? Is he more effective from that spot? And really, I think it just comes down to the fact that he was converting at an like unreasonable rate all season long from that bumper spot on the power play. Uh, to put a number to it, 40% shooter, Chris Kreider with the man advantage. Now in his career, he's still been high there. Like he's still been around the 20 20- 25% mark. So I don't expect to see a whole bunch of that scoring fall off, but this is a 52 goal season from a guy who's never really paced for more than 25 or 30. One of the COVID years, like two seasons ago in 2020, 2021, Kreider also had a great season, uh, but he played 50 games and was also shooting 20%. So the last two seasons, Chris Kreider's pulled this 20% shooter card out of his back pocket. I'm still not sold at sustainable, But I'd still like this is the sort of guy who you know is going to regress. But that doesn't mean you should sleep on him at all. 
Uh, and I'm wondering how high you would take him, Elon. Like last year was the first time he's ever paced for more than 60 points. I'm thinking he could hit 70 this year. Like I'm willing to give him that uh, split the difference between his best previous career number 60 point pace and last year's 80 point pace. Yeah, I think that where he got taken here is like good value for sure. Because even if he falls down to 40 goals instead of 50 goals, it's still a lot of goals. And who knows? Like, I think that a lot of it had to do with the power play, right? Like 26 of those goals of his 52 were on the power play. And they had a new coach, right? Gerard Gallant. Like, I'm not like a Rangers expert here, but I think it makes sense to say that like Kreider was probably used in a way on the power play that he wasn't before. But well, no, but this is what I was saying when everyone was saying like justify. I don't think that's it. Like, I don't think it was a new coach. I don't think it was. I think it was like straight up shooting luck. But what about, but he still did shoot a lot more, right? You can't take away the fact that he was averaging 3.2 shots per game when in the previous years he'd never been over 2.5. So even if his shooting luck isn't as good, he still clearly did something different, right? He got more ice time than he did before and he used it to shoot more and that's going to lead to scoring more. So I just think that for people that if you're looking like back in his previous history, like too far, it was like a different coach and I think maybe a bit of a different role. So I think I'm agreeing with you. I don't think like, yeah, it's like 20% shooting percentage is very high like most people don't do that and he still is a bit of an injury risk i think people forget this like he used to like you know go on runs and then get injured and be very frustrating but you know he's gonna be playing with the same guy he's gonna have the same role on the power play uh when i say the same guy i mean like savannah jet as the center so i just yeah i think that in the fifth round that's pretty good value for someone who will fall off a bit but maybe people are expecting him to fall off more than he will so hey brian how about why this? don't we We're, summarize why don't we summarize oh, okay. what happened yeah. in this round and then i think let's end the show because it's been a long show we've, we've made the listeners go through a lot here so why don't we sort of take a break and then we could come back and finish this thing off but yeah so round six uh we went up to petrangelo there did we go okay let me just give the let's full start at the let's go to the start of round five okay we had line a then Wierenski, hamilton rust nylander larkin quinn hughes Tavares, markstrom burns Kreider, demko shabbat petrangelo truba so there was a bit of a D run there. Then Frederick Anderson, another goalie. Then Nurse, continuing the D run. Nurse is very interesting, right? Because like as more guys are coming up on Edmonton, his power play time just keeps going down. But he's so great for those peripherals. Anyways, then Shifley, Braden Point, Pavel Buchnevich, Mark Stone. That could be great value, right? If he's actually healthy all year. Huge. That That's a fantastic. Huge. And I'll say the Braden Point pick too earlier also could also be big. We know Point struggled a lot last year and then was looking good in the playoffs. And then had that like gruesome injury, uh, but he still ended even with like a re- some really crummy runs. Braden Point still ended with a seventy-two point pace, and I still think he's good. He he's got a shot at being a point per game pace player. So getting that in uh, what round? The sixth round, along with Mark Stone. I mean, you've got a lot of guys who have that upside, but I think Point and Stone have uh, have some of the better cracks at getting point per game paces. Mm-hmm. And Point has, I think, upside. Whereas Shifley, who went to pick before him, Shifley is good. I'll put him down for a roughly point per game pace too, but I don't think he had, he can really blow very far past that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, actually, a lot of guys in this round have potential for point per game. Anyways, I'll yeah. keep going. Like Sorokin, who I think is a great like waiting on goalies, and then get so Chris started the draft with Ovechkin, then Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau. Then his next couple picks were D Sider and Quinn Hughes, and he waited on goalie. And then he gets a guy who like I feel like Sorokin in the right situation could be like the best goalie in the league. Like he could be Shostjorkin, and it's just like the Islanders haven't played him as much, right? They've been playing Varlamov a lot, but last year we started to see Sorokin take more and more of a role, and so I wonder if this year he'll. Get, continue to get more starts start to inch his way into being one of these volume guys especially like next year because Varlamov is, is going to be UFA after this year so this could be like a really great
great value pick. Then anyways, after that, Malkin, another point-per-game guy, but he has to stay healthy. That's obviously the risk with him. Then Shea Theodore, who I talked about before. Matt Duchesne was point-per-game last year, so maybe he does also it again. Also a guy. <laughs> yeah, he's another guy. Uh, like, I'll lump in with Kreider and Forsberg and Kadri who are hanging out at the top of draft boards for a long time, like as being great performers last year, but everyone's choosing guys who did worse last year but expect to do better this year. And uh, I've shared my optimism on Matt Duchesne. Like, there might be fewer Philip Forsberg goals to assist on, but I still think he's going to have, like, a legit fantasy relevant season i'd put him in the same category as like pavel buchnevich for next season who went a few picks earlier yeah and then drew dowdy went next who by the way is a guy who's coming off an amazing year for the 39 games he played right he had 31 points in 39 games 65 point pace it's the best of his career as and he's not that old right you think of like drew dowdy is like really old i don't know maybe it's the way he's missing those teeth in his beard but like, he's only 32 so he still has some game in him if he comes back 100 percent. and everyone's so excited about kevin fiala coming to la and what that's going to do for their ability to score more goals plus they're like young players drew Doughty's still the clear top power play defenseman here and he's good for peripherals so i feel like drew Doughty could end up being a real steal if he's actually able to stay healthy uh then we have sam reinhardt and then noah dobson an exciting d who really showed himself to step forward next year uh, uh, last year i should say like after pulak got injured that first time so that ends round six brian how about i'll just hold on your comments no you have your hand up no what you gotta yeah, say i think it. we you should say finish it. the recap for <laughs> round six we shouldn't recap round six in the next episode i want to get off and running with round seven okay in the next one uh but just to close this out like my comment here is uh i think like theodore dowdy and dobson at the end of the sixth round like that's where i would be so happy to start building my d group we have mike who picked 12th overall who's gone hamilton and dowdy in rounds five and six I think that's pretty solid. And then Dobson was JL's first D pick. And Dobson was kind of hanging out at the top of the board too for a little while. Um, And I like those a lot. Uh, I have to say, you know, we saw after uh, a round, after Hamilton went early in the fifth round, going in order just by D, we saw Quinn Hughes, then Brent Burns, then Thomas Shabbat, Alex Petrangelo, Jacob Truba, Darnell Nurse. I would happily have theodore dowdy or dobson who went after those guys uh before like before like after hamilton and before quinn hughes who ben burnett uh has called empty calories i, think I was, kind of I, I thought it was a good comment yeah i, I think, think it was lewis fair. who might have said it oh, lewis. those show shifts okay. guys are all the same but yeah it's yeah. interesting actually nick the one who i was saying got mcdavid kane forsberg's abandoned at the start i was curious what he'd do next he went 2d in that in the turn there with petrangelo and truba so he just decided to get that high floor with peripherals even though giving up on like guys who maybe are going to get the most points so that that's an interesting strategy like it's a way to just feel confident that like i'm going to get my points i may not get the most points but i'm going to get my i'm already getting a lot of points points like in terms from goals and assists for my first four picks so for my d i just want like solid guys i know are going to give me like two couple points per game at least and then when they get an assist it's already up to five as opposed to like taking defensemen who potentially you know like uh noah dobson i mean they, there's still like a lot of peripherals to come there but like uh yeah maybe guys that like don't have as much of a good floor but okay brian with that let's end this show take oh, a okay. break i was just gonna mention one more <laughs> thing if you don't mind this is the very last thing remember you mentioned J- justin's team you mentioned Justin's yeah. team. He's he's the only one left with no D. And his team is Eichel, Pedersen, Kaprizov, Svechnikov, Stone, and John Tavares. So uh, I'm just going to say going into the next episode, I'm going to be keeping my eye on Justin's team to see who his first D is and if I like him. Because like I wouldn't have would have minded having uh, any of the guys I just mentioned as my number one D. 
So we'll see who uh, who he goes with on the next episode of Keeping Carlson. He also doesn't have a goalie yet. So Justin's been all forwards, and I love all these forwards that you just mentioned. So yeah, now we just have to see how he rounds up that team. I think it's a fun strategy. Uh, but okay, Brian, let's don't worry. By the way, you're worried about like not being able to, you know, you've got to get it out now. The next episode, we're going to start recording it right now. For people listening, it's going to be in your feed. I'm going to drop them both at the same time. So let's take a break here and make sure to download part two for the rest of this draft, even though we're only done a third of the draft, but hopefully a half of the draft time, uh, the show time. So bye everyone.